Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to another edition of NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL Reacts is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. We're officially under a week until the NFL draft. We've got a ton to talk about today to continue our our theme that we've been doing over the last few weeks. We are going to finish up our divisional breakdowns ahead of the draft. We're going to do the AFC South and the NFC South on today's show. So let me welcome in Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. Kate is out today, so it's just me and Justice. And we've got a couple of NFL Reacts polls to get to before we dive into these divisions. So I will start with... Who is the best player in the 2022 NFL draft? 32% say Aiden Hutchinson, 14% say Ahmad Gardner, 13% say Kyle Hamilton, 10% say Kayvon Thibodeau. I don't know exactly what went into the options for this, but I feel like when Aiden Hutchinson is kind of the consensus number one overall pick, that's just what everybody's going to go for, whether or not they've done any kind of draft breakdowns or anything like that. Yeah, I, I... I think the people, for the most part, got that right. It's interesting to see Kyle Hamilton above Thibodeau, though. Um, that's one that stood out to me because Hamilton's probably a guy who's going to go like around 13-ish, like Houston's second pick. So, I don't know. Thibodeau might go number two, and you guys got him last on the list. What's up with that? Yeah, there is. We've talked about it a lot on the SB Nation NFL show that Thibodeau's got that kind of weird pre-draft stuff where where people are just kind of questioning how much he loves football, and it feels like it's all smokescreens to, to try to dr- drop his draft stock. And at least to the public and the NFL Reacts audience, it feels like maybe that's worked a little bit. Our next NFL Reacts question, who is the best quarterback in the 2022 draft class? 42% say Malik Willis, 38% say Kenny Pickett, 12% say Matt Corral, 8% say Desmond Ritter. I feel like, and this is a lot about, you know, what I've kind of checked out in the pre-draft process and, and, you know, talking to you and KP on the Wednesday show, I feel like Desmond Ritter should be higher on this list. I agree. I mean, he's going to get drafted before Corral, maybe before Pickett even. So I would have had Ritter as my number one guy. I probably would have had, I'm not a huge fan of this or this quarterback class in general. I probably would have had Sam Howell. As my second guy, he's not even on the list. So um, I understand the Willis people because at least there's upside there. The Kenny Pickett people, I, I need to have conversations because I've seen the Kenny Pickett film. It just seems like he had really good receivers. And that's why he had this one good year of production at Pitt after a you know five-year career where he got the extra COVID year and stuff. 
Yeah, we talked about it on the Wednesday show. It's Kenny Pickett. I feel like his ceiling is first round pick and his floor is like third or fourth round pick. Like, like I, I don't feel like you should be shocked if he doesn't come anywhere close to being drafted in the first round, but there might be a team desperate enough to just do it. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we're, what, six days away at this point? Yeah. Um, hopefully. I mean, he's going to be there at the draft, I think. So, like. Hopefully he gets drafted in the first round because if not, they're going to just have cameras fixed on him. Yeah, that's uncomfortable. I always feel bad for players that wind up not going in the first round and they're there on draft day. But would you would you go? No, I don't think I would go. I think I'd rather be with friends and family and just like you know have a party or whatever. Yeah, I think I'd do to... the bowling alley thing. Like yeah. just hang out with in a bowling alley, like in your hometown. Yeah. Seems like like I get. I get why guys go. Like I'm not the uh, the Florio saying like the the guys should get be paid. They should be demanding money for an appearance and stuff like that. Like if, if they want to go, they want to go. It it is what it is. I don't think I would want a camera in my face for like potentially like the saddest moment in like the most high intensity spot in my NFL career. Just yeah. to start it. That's I think. Bad. I- I would only go if I knew I was like a top five pick. Like if I knew I was a consensus top five pick and I knew that I wouldn't have to sit there all night long waiting to get drafted with cameras just on me the whole time. That way, you know, if you wind up not going in the first round or whatever, you're at least around family and friends and everybody's still like encouraging you and trying to hype you up and make you feel good about the situation. Right. Our final NFL reacts poll, which position group is the deepest in this year's class? 47% say wide receiver, 27% say edge, 14% say defensive line, 12% say defensive back. I I feel like there's an argument to be made for for some different positions in, in this draft class, but wide receiver does seem deep. So I'm a little shocked that it was the runaway favorite here, but I guess I'm not super surprised by it. I mean, I guess it depends what you mean by deep, right? I mean, I think there's more wide receivers when like a George Karloftis or something is on the board, or there's more edge rushers when a George Karloftis is on the board with guys like uh, Ebiketti and stuff like that, then there will be wide receivers. I think after the top probably four wide receivers, it really becomes like you really got to like one of of the next tier guys to kind of like jump and, and maybe not overdraft or reach, but something close to that. Defensive line is funny to me. If you go to the consensus board, there's like seven guys basically who are supposed to go in the second round. There's none that are slated that are like third or fourth round prospects. So I don't <laughs> I, I don't understand the 14% who said defensive line. I would have given more love to the defensive backs. I think this is a solid corner class, even though there's like McDuffie small booth has these injuries right at corner. The safeties, though, I mean, this is like a really, really good safeties class. I probably would have thought about voting for them. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. It's it is interesting that uh, you mentioned the defensive line there. Um, but hey, we're less than a week away. We're ready to get into the NFL draft. So let's get into the AFC South. And I'll, I'll be honest for our listeners. I saved the AFC South and the NFC South for last because I think these are the two worst divisions to talk about by far. And I, I wanted to have fun doing these divisional breakdowns. So we start with the Tennessee Titans. They got the first round pick number 26 overall. They, they've got some 
decently sized needs. They really need some help along the offensive line. They could use another linebacker, uh, another wide receiver, possibly, or a cornerback. It's for, for a team that I feel like performed above expectation, really based on the talent that they had last season and the way that the AFC is loading up. I find it hard to believe that the Titans are going to be able to, you know, possibly even win the division, let alone actually like go on a run and and be the number one overall seed in the AFC in in 2022. I'm just curious how you feel about the Titans where maybe they should go in the first round and like, are are they actually set up to be competitive? Like, could they still be running? like pushing for a playoff spot because I just think there's too many good teams in the AFC for anybody to think the Titans are going to make noise. Well, the one thing working for them is they're in the South, right? I don't, I don't think the tech, I mean, Texans team needs is like a joke. You you go to PFF.com on their like mock draft simulator and they're like every, every position, right? (laughs) The Jaguars, I don't think they have their stuff together. Maybe the Colts do, but like, I could see the Titans making the playoffs again, just off of kind of like their strength of schedule. Um, at 26, I don't think there's a receiver, but like Paul Kaherski said, you know, the, the Titans basically offered, they won't go above 20 million, which like, if you're not going above 20 million for AJ Brown, you're not going to get him. I mean, the market rate is 25. So I understand why there's some drama going there. The Titans right now have $2 million in cap space. That's not including, you know, incoming uh, uh, draft picks that are going to be draft that are going to be picked in. The base salaries above five million right now in Tennessee. To, so like deals that can be moved around, right? Ryan Tannehill, Bud Dupree, Taylor Lewan, Derek Henry, Robert Woods, who they just got. I don't think they want to move around any of those contracts. Which one of those guys do you want to say like, hey, push the money forward? I, it's not Tannehill. Dupree isn't you know, met expectations for, for that free agency contract. Luan is up there in age, right? He's, he's had some injuries. Derrick Henry's a running back. That That's a bad sign. Is it Robert Woods, the guy you just brought in? So, like, if A.J. Brown is, is out the door, I, I think you got to, like, start thinking about this isn't a reload situation. We probably got to rebuild. And we could, like, have it be a smooth rebuild, but it's still a rebuild. We should be looking at future contracts and stuff. Yeah, and Robert Woods is coming off a torn ACL. So I don't yeah. think that's a player you want to push money into the future for. It's yeah, I think because of the weakness of the division, they they could still wind up making the playoffs, but it does kind of feel like that window for the Tennessee Titans has been the last couple of years, and it's probably coming to a close where they spent big and they invested in the guys that they had and said, we've got a window to win right now. And I feel like it's probably closing because there's just too many good teams in the AFC. So I think, yeah, we'll see how it shakes out. If they get a wide receiver right there, like, I don't know. Like if you can't sign AJ Brown, like I I don't understand what teams are doing right now. Like with the 49ers with Debo Samuel and the Titans with AJ Brown, like that's just the cost of doing business now. Like, it's I, I don't think that the NFL teams love having to pay 25 plus million dollars to a wide receiver. But as long as there's any single team in the NFL that's willing to do that, that's just what you have to pay these guys. And A.J. Brown is one of the top three guys that I would give that money to. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, he's A.J. Brown and D.K. are the two guys, you know, of the four that people talk about. Right. It's D.K. It's him. It's Terry McLaurin and it's Debo Samuel. A.J. Brown is one of the guys I 
as a Packers fan, I wouldn't mind the Packers just giving up, you know, what they got back in Devonta for Devonte Adams, right? The the twenty two and whatever it is, like fifty five, right back, and then give him a contract. Like AJ Brown is going to be that guy for the next ten years. Like it's not like his game is built off of speed, and it's gonna he's gonna age poorly or something like that. Is he's basically Anquan Bolden, right? Like look how long Anquan Bolden did it. Like just sign up for it, hang your hat on it. Uh, you would think that if the Titans are even thinking about like smooth rebuild, right? AJ Brown is one of the guys you want on the other end of it. Like he, we just went over the, the Titans top base salaries. I'd rather have AJ Brown than any of those guys. Yeah. AJ Brown's only 24 years old right now. He'll be 25 by the start of next season. And I don't think we've even seen AJ Brown ceiling yet because it's every season so far in the NFL, he's had these little minor like nagging injuries that have caused him to, to miss a couple of games here and there, but he's never missed like significant time so far in his NFL career. And his rookie season and his sophomore season, he had over a thousand yards. He came up a little bit short last season, but he was still incredible when he was playing healthy. And you know what his you you know that you can expect bigger things from AJ Brown moving forward. So that that's a guy, in my opinion. Like I understand why the Chiefs didn't want to do it with Tyreek Hill. He's aging. He had already gotten one contract. That makes more sense to me than not paying AJ Brown. Like that that's a guy that you absolutely pay, in my opinion. And you know they do need a, a lot of help along the offensive line. So maybe that's somewhere they look at twenty six. But I, I just feel like that's a bad spot in the draft for the Titans to significantly improve themselves, especially when the whole roster is kind of in flux and you're questioning what the future is for this team. I mean, we talked about the tackle market, right? So like we talked about on Wednesday and it seems like it's out there now about the Charles cross Saints stuff. Like there, it seems like a lot of people have gotten wind of that now. Um, if those guys go early, right. The only other tackle people talk about as a consensus first round pick is Trevor Penning. And I don't think Trevor Penning is going to be there at 26. So if you need a tackle or you need a guy who can play tackle and potentially swing the guard, like there's not that many guys in that range. Like maybe you're looking at the kid from Tulsa, but outside of that, there's, there's not many options in that range. I think by far the second best team in the AFC South is the Indianapolis Colts. And They've got some pretty significant needs. They need a cornerback. Obviously, they traded away uh, Rakusin as a part of the deal for Yannick Ngakwe, but they do have some studs on that defense. Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner, and Jonathan Taylor on the offensive side is obviously a stud. Michael Pittman's a player that y- you hope you can get more out of, and he'll take another big step this season. And then acquiring Matt Ryan, but they don't have a pick until number 42 in the second round. Uh, I'm curious how you feel about it, because I feel like we... In an offseason where there's been all this quarterback movement, I feel like we've spent the least amount of time talking about Matt Ryan. Like, I think that Matt Ryan is an upgrade over Carson Wentz, but I'm still not confident in how much Matt Ryan has left in the tank to, like, really put the Colts over the top. I disagree. I think Matt Ryan could still play football at a high level. I think the wide receivers that they had last year were disgusting. And I'm talking about the Atlanta Falcons. The one thing I do worry about the Colts is – it's not like they have a ton of wide receiver talent right now. Um, you know, obviously Michael Pittman is, is a talented player. Um, Paris Campbell is like a guy. I feel like every year we're talking about like, this is going to be the Paris Campbell breakout year and it just doesn't happen for whatever reason. Ashton Doolin is a interesting guy. I mean, he's basically attractive. Um, he actually played uh, college football at Malone, 
which is like uh, they their home field is the uh, Hall of Fame game field in Canton, Ohio. He he turned down a uh, Division One track scholarship to UNC to play football there. Very weird situation. Um, I, I hope he does well because if it's not him, I mean, there's not a lot of depth behind it. It's not like the Colts have you know a ton of picks after their moves. Um, I think they do need a corner. The, the nice thing is. Like we said, the defensive back class is going to be pretty nice around that range. Um, you look at guys like uh, maybe even a Trent McDuffie. I mean, I, I don't think teams like McDuffie as much as the media does. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily that like he's a small guy or something like that. But like we talked with KP about this on like the Wednesday show. He doesn't really like McDuffie on film. He likes Kyla Gordon more. And maybe it's Kyla Gordon there. Maybe it's Andrew Booth is still available there because of the injuries. Roger McCreary from Auburn um, seems like teams like Tariq Woolen from UTSA a little bit more. So like there'll be corners there, or if you want to use a guy who's, you know, a safety, but he's playing nickel, right? Like they, there's guys like uh, Dax Hill, um, Jalen Petrie from Baylor. Like there, there's plenty of DBs in this class that like, there's going to be one available at 42. I, I just kind of worry a little bit about the wide receivers because T.Y. not being there, and and who knows? I mean, OBJ is still a free agent. Julio is still a free agent. It seems like a lot of these wide receivers didn't get the money that they kind of expected on the open market and are waiting post-draft. Maybe they make a move there. We'll see what happens. I, I feel pretty good about the Colts. You said the second-best team. I The Colts are the best team in the AFC South, to me, to be honest. Yeah, and all my questions about the Titans, like, they probably are. I, I am, like, I, I'm still just – hesitant about Matt Ryan, but I do agree with you. Like he's just in a much better situation. And, you know, Chris Ballard is known as a good drafter and he's had success in the mid rounds of the draft. So like the Colts are a team that even though they don't have a first round pick, you think that Chris Ballard's got some lottery ticket guys that he can target later in the draft for them. And I'm just, I think that they do have to go defense. It's, their, their defense, I, I think, is like I feel like it gets underestimated, like how good it's been over the last couple of years. But it's like but outside of a couple of stars, you're just like, well, who else do they have on the defense? And they lost their defensive coordinator. So do you expect the Colts defense to like still be as good as it has been the last couple of years? I, I do think they are going to be just a generally better team with Matt Ryan. though. And it'll be interesting to see what it's like with Gus as the D.C. there. Um, you know, we talked about Gus playing stock coverage you know, against the Kansas city chiefs even right. Where it's like Mahomes needs to get right game. He plays the Raiders. He gets to get right game. Cause Gus is just going to play such uh, vanilla defenses on the other end. They have the pass rushers, right? Like that's the big thing with, um, with Gus, he wants to send four. it worked with the Raiders, right? Like we talked about their pass rushing tandem um, that, that entire season, they got Yannick from the Raiders, Quetty pay. We're, we're waiting for him to kind of turn it on. They got DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart on the inside. So hopefully those guys are able to turn up the pressure and maybe that helps them on the back end, but they got Stefan Gilmore. That's really it, you know, in the back end as of now. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I got to assume that they've pretty much lost all confidence in Paris Campbell, which is a bummer because, but he's like their clear cut wide receiver too. Right. Yeah. Like you look and at their depth chart. He has to be getting catches. It's his biggest issue is just staying on the field. It's every season of his NFL career. He's had a significant injury so far. And 
when he's gotten some snaps, like he he's looked like a player that could have an impact. He just can't stay healthy. And at some point you have to decide like, okay, we just can't rely on him to be on the field anymore, which is a bummer because I think that Paris Campbell could be a, a talented player. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy so far in his NFL I mean, career. he was a second-round pick, super high expectations. I mean, I know a lot of people who love that pick when, when it was turned in. So Yeah, he was selected uh, above his Ohio State teammate, Terry McLaurin. And, yep. <laughs> like That's how high the Colts were on him, and it just hasn't worked out, unfortunately, so far in his career. But uh, ho- hopefully it does for Paris Campbell because I'm rooting for him. The Houston Texans, you already mentioned it, uh, Justice. They've got a laundry list of needs. I, I don't think any position on this roster should really like they shouldn't go into this draft thinking like we've got this this position locked in for the Houston Texans. Like any position, I think, is on the board, but they do have two high first round picks, number three and number 13 overall. And, and there's been a lot of chatter uh, about them possibly being a team that you could trade with at number 13. Um, so I, I I think that there is a strong chance that they could do that and all of their roster needs, like the way you rebuild when you've got a roster that's as bad as the Houston Texans do is through the draft. So I feel like they should be one of the teams that we're seriously talking about, like making some big time moves on draft day in terms of like trading back. I agree with that. I The, the thing at 13, that's the big deal is like, is Kyle Hamilton still going to be available? Because I think that's Kyle Hamilton's kind of perceived floor where you hear like things like, hey, maybe the Philadelphia Eagles are willing to trade up for Kyle Hamilton. They know they got to jump 13 to make that move, right? Um, Lovey, it sounds like, has more sway uh, in with that team than you would imagine. Um, I know everyone thinks like Casario is the guy and all that stuff. It seems like Lovey really being a part of that process and even in free agency um, having a hand in on that stuff uh has gone a long way i wouldn't be surprised if they go back-to-back defense if they do stay at those picks you know whoever it is available at three depending on who goes one and two um probably an edge rusher and then at 13 if kyle hamilton is there you could basically bank on that i think yeah i i think that they do have to go defense it's just i don't i don't buy all this like we're in on Davis Mills and we want to give Davis Mills a chance. I don't think that they're going to draft a quarterback in this draft class or anything like that. I just, the Texans just seem like such a dumpster fire of an organization right now. Like I I don't have any idea where they're really going direction wise because this roster is not good. And I think it really performed above expectation last year with David Culley, but now that they hire Lovey Smith as the replacement head coach. And it just seems like they're treading water. So I, I don't really have any faith in the Houston Texans drastically improving this season. The Davis Mills thing, I think is more, let's figure out what we have in Davis Mills. I don't, I don't believe they're committed to him beyond this year, but I believe that like he's the, he's week one starting quarterback for them this year. Um, the interesting thing, we, we did the whole little birdie segment right on Wednesday. Doesn't sound like the Jets are willing to part with number 10 for Debo Samuel, which is completely understandable when, uh, what was it, the Chiefs got back 29 for Tyreek Hill, the Packers got back 22 for Devontae Adams. It's not like they got back top 10 picks for these guys. Um, what if the Houston Texans move 13 for Debo Samuel? What do you think about that? 
Um, I would be mad about it for Debo Samuel, um, just as a player and as a guy that I think is incredibly fun to watch. And I want to see him just like toasting defenders when he gets into the open field. I guess it would be a good move for the Texans and they would pay him. And they, they did just give Brandon cooks some more money. So they at least have another wide receiver there who can make plays. Uh, but as far as like the long-term outlook for Debo Samuel's career goes, I I would be bummed about it. And I think that's, if the 49ers get number 13 overall, like you mentioned, just based on what, uh, these other superstar wide receivers go, I think they're just like, okay, straight up here, here's Debo. We'll take number 13. Bye. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't even know if the Packers could get to 13 if they traded 22 and the the second round pick that they got. I, I know 22 and a third basically gets them to 17, which is the Chargers pick, which is maybe, you know, the spot to think of with like a Chris Olave, depending on how it shakes out. But yeah, I mean, Brandon Cooks, Debo Samuel, you have a left tackle in Laramie Tunsil. That's one way to figure out like, hey, no excuses for Davis Mills. Like we, we want to see production in year two of this system. If you can't do it, then we're going to move on and, and look at a different quarterback next year. I just feel like Debo Samuel would be like, man, what did I do? <laughs> what I, you got to get your money, but you don't want to go to Houston Debo. And now, <laughs> now I feel like that is going to happen. The Jacksonville Jaguars, obviously they have the number one overall pick and, and they've still got plenty of needs despite being big spenders in free agency and adding a ton of pieces in depth, but I still feel like they overpaid for a lot of those pieces. And and I'm curious to see like the impact that those players are actually going to have, but like what is a realistic outlook for Jacksonville next season? I know you at least have an experienced Super Bowl winning head coach in Doug Peterson, and you hope that he gets more out of Trevor Lawrence, but even with all the money they spent in free agency, I still don't look at their roster and say like, Oh, this is significantly better than what you put on the field last year. Yeah. I don't know if Christian Kirk and Zay Jones uh, fixes the offense as simple as that seems like that's kind of my answer. I mean, the expectation certainly isn't even 500, right? Like if they go 500, I think we're all like, Oh heck yes. Like you, you're ahead of schedule basically. Um, I think the like outlook for the Jags is like be good enough that like Trevor Lawrence doesn't demand a trade next offseason, basically. Like you you can't just have another crap show of a year and be picking in the top three, three years in a row, right? Like you, you need to avoid that. And they overpaid for it. I mean, Olicon got got overpaid, Kirk got overpaid, Zay Jones, I don't understand why you gave him 2023 uh guaranteed functionally evan ingram is on a short-term deal and he might be like your number one pass catcher this year i don't understand why a team like this is signing guys on short-term deals that doesn't really make any sense to me like i don't know um they seem like a weird team uh i I don't love what they did uh this offseason if you can't tell by the tone of my voice (laughs) trent balky I think it's just all like I'm curious how much say Doug Peterson actually has in the personnel department and like how, how much of the decision making he actually has input on or if like they pivoted away from Byron Leftwich and brought in Doug Peterson because Doug was just like I don't care just let me coach you handle the personnel I'll just make him good because he probably thinks that he can't do that and 
I, he's got to be better than Urban Meyer, at least. Like, I feel like we could. Uh, low bar. <laughs> yeah. Terribly low bar. We're, yeah, I mean, I think he knows who Aaron Donald is. So, yes, yes, he did. He does have uh, a Super Bowl ring. So, so Doug Peterson's got some experience. I, I do believe that he's going to be able to get more around Trevor Lawrence, like, if nothing more than just being more organized and, and present for his development and practices and game planning and stuff like that. So, Interested to see. I mean, they're projected to take Aiden Hutchinson number one overall, and they've got so many holes on their roster. You just you take the guy that you deem as the best player available in the draft. So if it's Aiden Hutchinson, that's where you go at number one overall if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, we're going to take a quick timeout right now, but when we get back, we will dive into the NFC South to finish up this week on NFL Reacts. <laughs> Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome back into NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. Diving into the NFC South, and we start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They got the first first round pick at number 27 overall. It's I, I think that the Bucs still and they're kind of just running back the same roster again for the most part. It's they're they're still really talented. They're they're still deep. They've still got uh, plenty of ammunition to easily be the best team in, in the AFC South, especially if you're discounting the Saints this season. I, I think they're hands down the best team. And at number 27 overall, because of the depth that they have without having any like gaping holes on the roster, I, I think they're similar to a, a team, while maybe not quite as talented as the Bills roster, they are one of those teams I think that can just draft this is the best guy available. This gives us depth here. Like th this is the player that we like. And maybe it is just another wide receiver or something. If there's a guy there that you like that you can just put in place for Brady moving forward. I think guard is by far their biggest need, even though they traded for Shaq Mason. Um, you think about that, that offensive line, just the entire time Brady's been there in Tampa, it's been very good. So if they can fill out that left guard position, 
have Donovan Smith play left tackle and then center over. It's Ryan Jensen, Shaq Mason, Tristan Wirfs. I think that's probably the best way to go. The The wild card, obviously, is Gronk, but they they paid Russell Gage a good amount of money. I think he's going to be there for a long time. I, I don't know if they're going to go wide receiver again. Um, the other position I would say to keep an eye out for is defensive line, but I, I don't know if they would take one at the end of the first round. The, the tricky thing with a defensive lineman, like we mentioned um, earlier on the first half of the show, is all those guys are projected to be second-round picks, basically. And and then there's a fast drop-off. So I don't know if that's something where you're jockeying for position. You have, like, maybe one or two of the guys of the seven that you really like, um, that you think fit. Because, obviously, you know, a guy like a Jordan Davis, right, or a guy like uh, Travis Jones from, like, uh, UConn, those guys are nose tackles. That doesn't really help you when you already have Vita Vea, right? So, like, maybe you're only looking at half of those defensive linemen and you're saying, like, we like one of them a lot more than the others. We might as well draft them in the first round. Tom Brady isn't – we got what – according to the rumors, right, or they're saying, hey, maybe Tom Brady's going to Miami next year. You possibly only have one more year with Brady. You might as well maximize, you know, it and, and grab one of those guys. So we'll see how it turns out. I, I definitely look at, like, interior defensive line, interior offensive line first and foremost for them, though. I don't know if we should get ahead of this. Like, I think the Bucks are hands down the best team in the NFC South and should easily run away with the division. But when are we going to fully commit to Brady's decline? Like at some point we have to be like, he can't keep doing it. And I know last season he struggled a little bit, but he was still excellent last season. Like he was still an he MVP. took the Rams down to the wire. Yeah. Like he was still superb last season as a 45 year old quarterback at some point we have to commit to his decline is it finally gonna be this year look i'm not betting against him i i, I simply won't do it um have you ever looked up uh crisper and gene editing no. i don't know <laughs> look there's a lot of science going on right now and it's very suspicious tom brady just disappears for a while then comes back and is just rejuvenated he has better arm strength right now than he did like 10 years ago it's i don't know until i see that arm start to fall off i am I'm, I'm willing to uh bet that tom brady is just going to keep doing what he's doing he's inevitable he he's just got like a captain america style chamber that he just goes into and it like heals his entire body at, at some tb12 facility in tampa and then walks out and he's like all right i'm ready to go try to win another ring let's go yeah i mean the the the, the rumors that were coming out about like him going to miami and i'm like how much longer does Miami think that he's going to play? Right? Like it, it's, if he plays <laughs> until he's like, 50, we'll I'm going to go nuts. Well, I'm going we'll, to go nuts. Yeah. Miami's like, Hey, we'll give you a five year deal. We'll commit. We'll commit long-term. We don't 10 need- years. Just give him the Mahomes contract. Just. Yeah. I uh, can't it's... believe it. I mean, look at the way the Packers structured the Aaron Rodgers deal too. Right? Like they basically like Rodgers. If Rodgers retires at any point, like within the next four years, it'll completely destroy the Packers salary cap. So their whole thing is like, we're banking on you being able to play four more years. I mean, we're seeing teams legitimately bet on these guys playing into their forties and it's still weird to see. And like, we didn't really see Peyton do it. We didn't really see Roethlisberger do it. We didn't see Rivers do it. We didn't see Eli do it, but for whatever reason, people just think like Tom Brady and Rogers are just going to play until infinity. Yeah. It's just, 
It's ridiculous too that the way it worked out in the NFC South, like you know, the Saints after Drew Brees retires are now in rebuild mode, and the Falcons and Panthers are just totally disorganized, and so it just sets up for Tom Brady to be dominant again because you know he's going to dominate that division and just go on another playoff run. Do you remember who the trendy pick for Brady to land with in that free agency was? The Chargers. Oh, yeah. He picked his spot right. Uh, Picking Tampa instead of the Chargers where you're playing against Mahomes. Now they got Russell Wilson there in Denver. Um, You know, obviously the Raiders kind of have their stuff together with Derek Carr, Devontae Adams. They made the playoffs last year. Like, he made the right pick in saying, like, this is the one competent team in the South post breeze. And now he's just got a cakewalk division again, like he had in the AFC East all those years. And now the AFC East is absolutely stacked. He's like, they're still starting Sam Darnold and Marcus Mariota. This is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Some guys just have all the luck. Like it's just worked out for Tom Brady his entire career. So it's, it sets up for the bucks to, you know, try to improve a little bit, but again, the roster is ready to win right now. And I don't expect Tom Brady to drop off anytime soon because he just keeps doing it. The New Orleans Saints have first round picks at number 16 and number 19. They've obviously got a lot of needs as they're going through a a rebuild of their own, but it seems like they're kind of acting like they think they can win with Jameis Winston as their quarterback next season. And they still have playmakers on that defense, but some of those guys are starting to get a little bit older. So I, I don't know if you can for sure rely on the Saints defense being as good as it has been for the last several years because the because of the way that we just see defenses drop off but it seems like the Saints position themselves at 16 and 19 to try to get one of these top tackles in the NFL draft if one of those guys slides a little bit or maybe they even have to try to move up a little bit more uh just because they lost to Ron Armstead and they're saying if we get a cornerstone left tackle we have Jameis Winston and then maybe we get a wide receiver with our second first round pick like they're pretty confident that they could still win some games and be in contention with Winston as their quarterback next year. Yeah, left tackle and wide receiver are the two glaring holes on the team, I would say. Um, you look at the consensus draft board, Evan Neal at three, Iki Aquanu at four, Charles Cross at eight. Those are kind of the, the high-end left tackle prospects that they could be looking at. Between eight and 40, there's one prospect, and it's Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa. Um I, I get why they would want to move up for a guy like Charles Cross. Um, maybe if they stick at those picks, they get Trevor Penning, and it'll probably be their second pick. It'll probably be the tail end of the wide receiver run. So maybe, you know, they, they draft a guy there. Maybe a Drake London or something is still available. The wild card, I feel like, for New Orleans is, like, Michael Thomas still wasn't happy, right? Like, we, we all just kind of forgot Michael Thomas – had like a pretty open dispute with the team last season and he was all banged up and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that plays out moving forward, because if Michael Thomas doesn't have a great season, I mean, what, what else do they have left at whiteout? Yeah, it's, uh, I think at this point you can definitively say that you can't rely on Marquez Callaway is big, like a consistent contributor or Deontay Harris or something like that. I just, Michael Thomas is a huge question mark because there's not even a way to like evaluate whether or not he can still play at an elite level. Like he had a couple elite wide receiver seasons, but he just hasn't played in two years basically. So I I don't know how, 
I mean, maybe the Saints still expect that he can be that kind of player, but from the outside looking in, like you have no idea what Michael Thomas could be next season. So even if you still think that you're in contention, like they, they got to get the, those holes filled for the new Orleans saints. And I'm, I'm interested to see if without Sean Payton there, if they take the leash off of James Winston a little bit and let, let him kind of go wild. Like he did his final season in Tampa, because that was, that was a fun season to watch James Winston. That's the James I want to see under center for the Saints. Yeah. I want to see a 30, 30, 30 season again. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is one of the most entertaining quarterback seasons I've ever seen, especially from fantasy football. Like I had Jameis Winston on a roster that year and he could go absolutely nuts and give you like 50 points or he'd just have like negative 10 points because he'd throw (laughs) five interceptions. It was incredible to watch. It was a lot of ups and downs. I want to see that Jameis Winston again, please. So, so please allow him to just uncork the football this year. The Atlanta Falcons, huge, huge rebuild down in Atlanta. Uh, They, they need positions everywhere across the board they've got the first uh first round pick coming in at number eight they did sign casey hayward which was a weird signing but they lost a lot of guys including matt ryan calvin ridley suspended for the entire season for the gambling and this on paper to me looks like it's probably the worst roster in the nfl they did bring in marcus mariota as their quarterback next season which I guess a bummer because I wanted to see Marcus Mariota land in a good spot to see what he still had in him. And Atlanta was probably the worst place for him to land. Like I legitimately think the Falcons are are the least interesting team in the NFL and have a good chance of having the number one overall pick next year. Out and Tate, Demir Bird and Olamide Zacchaeus isn't doing it for you. That's (laughs) that's crazy. I mean, massive need at wide receiver. You look at their offensive line. Um, they're paying Jake Matthews probably a little too much. And then you look at the rest of it, it's all high draft picks and a lot of them aren't performing to where you want them to perform at this point. Um, it's, it's not like they haven't spent on the position. It's so like they spent and they still have a need, which is like the worst situation to be in as far as pass rushers. They really don't have any outside of like Grady Jarrett, who's a defensive tackle. He's very good. Um, we'll see, we'll see what those long-term, what that long-term deal looks like. At corner, it seems like they want to address corner again, um, which is kind of surprising to me. I guess they look at Casey Hayward at this point like a nickel, which I guess makes more sense. But, you know, they had the entire staff down there at Cincinnati um, for for, uh, Sauce Gardner's pro day. So I could see them going wide receiver. I could see if one of these offensive linemen drop, they take one of them. Like if Charles Cross is available at nine or whatever. I could see, like, if if Kayvon, for whatever reason, drops, they could take him. I could see them going corner with either Sauce or Stingley. Um, safety, they got Eric Harris out there. Richie Grant was a second-round pick last year, but he played poorly. I think Richie Grant will probably still be uh, in the, the, the folds for, like, the team moving forward, but, like, Eric Harris could be replaced. I could see them going for a guy like uh, Kyle Hamilton, potentially, at nine. Um they're pretty open-ended and I agree. I mean, it's year two of the staff and I don't think they got any better. Like they've only progressively gotten worse since that draft, right? They went into that draft last year. They could have had Justin Fields. They could have kept Julio. They could have had Calvin Ridley. They don't have any of those guys. Now you got a tight end out of it and that's it. Um, It's tough. 
Yeah, I do feel like I was a little disrespectful and totally disregarding Kyle Pitts and, and Grady Jarrett and AJ Terrell. Like they do have three what good players. Yeah, they have roster. three. They have three. And then the next best guy is Jake Matthews, who you're like, he's like a average left tackle who's getting paid like he's an elite left tackle. It's like, ah, I don't yeah. know. Don't love this roster. Yeah, it's going to be bad. And then what was the number with Matt Ryan? It was like a $42 million dead cap hit for them to move on from him. <laughs> like the most. Of Just the a, what a mess up. What a mess up. I mean, and I don't think anyone thought he was going to be available because I don't know if teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers would have signed guys like uh, Mitch Trubisky if they knew Matt Ryan was going to be on the market. Right. So I don't know. It, the Deshaun Watson thing really bit them in the butt. Yeah, it's it's bad in Atlanta. I would I would legitimately bet on them to have the worst record in the NFL next season. And it's it's going to be brutal for for a long time there. And it sucks for Marcus Mariota because I I think it's just going to it's going to make him look bad, how bad their team is. And I was hoping Marcus Mariota would get a chance. this offseason. I feel terrible for like Arthur Smith, even like I I didn't think he was going to be like an elite head coach. He did a pretty good job of scheming up like run game stuff for the Tennessee Titans. He kind of reminded me of like bringing in like a Jim Harbaugh style offense or something like that. Um, He is going into year two. He doesn't have a quarterback. He doesn't have an offensive line. He doesn't have receivers. His best running back is like a receiver functionally. I feel bad for the guy. Like this isn't what he signed up for. I, I, I do kind of feel like you can't, if, if they have the worst record in the sport, this next year, unless the locker room turns completely south or something like that, he can't even be on the hot seat because you can't blame him. Like, what what else was he supposed to do? Yeah, but I feel like we pass judgment so quick in the NFL that if they're the worst team in the NFL and get the number one overall pick, they're just going to be like, okay, we got to start over again because that's the way it works in the NFL. If, if that's the situation, there. then you look at Arthur Smith like a Todd Bowles type of guy and you're like – Oh, he's going to be so much better in his second his, his second shot at head coach. Like he was kind of done wrong a little bit, and, and he had a bad record. But like you got to contextualize it a little bit. Yeah, it's the whole Deshaun Watson not going to the Atlanta Falcons just totally blew up. Like it, it feels like they didn't go after one of those quarterbacks last year because they were like, let's see what we got in Matt Ryan, and we still think we can be competitive. And then they weren't good. And then they then they ruined their relationship with Matt Ryan and had to trade him. And now all of a sudden you're just staring down the barrel of like, yeah, we're going to be a one win team next season, because that's what that's what I think when I look at this team, unless they unless they're like the Lions and, and they just perform above expectation like they did last season, where it's but just the like Lions still got the second overall pick. Yeah. And, and the Lions were bad. It was just. The Lions were in more games than I thought they had any business being. Right. Like, that's what the Falcons have to do this upcoming season. It's bad. And that's why, like, if they say, like, hey, we think Jamison Williams is a game-breaking wide receiver. He's available at nine. We're just going to take him. I I, Completely understandable. Because you look at that wide receiver room. They have nothing, man. They have nothing right now. Yeah, it's bad. Just just take anybody that can get on the field and make plays for you next season. That that's legit like expansion roster. We're just taking players. We don't care about the position right now. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody best player available. Let's go. Uh, Final team, the Carolina Panthers. They've got a lot of needs, too. This is why I saved the NFC South for last, Uh, specifically because of the Falcons and the Panthers. Uh, Carolina picks at number six overall. 
and they've still got a, a ton of needs. They lost Hassan Reddick, so they could use uh, another pass rusher. They need a ton of help along the offensive line. They need a cornerback, and that they need a quarterback is as well. The the number one position that you need in the NFL to succeed. I was early on in the draft. We we did that mock draft on the Wednesday show, and we picked Kenny Pickett number six overall to the Panthers because of his relationship to Matt rule. And it feels like the Panthers are that team that's desperate enough to just take whoever they have is their highest rated quarterback at number six, because they desperately need a quarterback. And it seems like the whole Matt rule era in Carolina has been about, we just need a quarterback. We need a quarterback and they keep not getting a quarterback. And so he's got to know that he's on the hot seat. And so I, I still kind of believe that they are going to go with a quarterback at number six. And if we talked about the lions, you know, taking Malik Willis, but I don't know if that's actually like a realistic pick, but if Malik Willis is available and, and you're buying like his developmental traits and what, what his upside could potentially be, would we be shocked if Carolina just says, okay, we're taking Malik Willis because he's still available at number six. I wouldn't be shocked, but I don't really like the process. Like, do you think Carolina is a quarterback away? No, not even close. <laughs> so the Carol- Carolina's pick, the top pick is six. Their second pick in the draft is 137th. Not great. So if you take a quarterback, that's it. That's it. You're done. That's the whole draft. That's the whole draft, basically. And, okay, maybe you could trade a future pick to, to get involved in this. If you are Tepper... Do you let Matt Rule touch the future picks? No, absolutely not. Like that—that's how teams hose themselves. Like you look at the Chicago Bears right now, right? Obviously, the the Nagy area wasn't going well. They don't have a first round pick right now. Like this is how you do multi year rebuild. So if if you're Tepper, you just got to let Matt Rule roll with what he has right now. I don't know if they're a quarterback away. I understand it, but I think six they're a big trade back candidate, right? Like that's where potentially New Orleans Saints move up or, or something like that. And you just add more picks because they don't have them. And as much of a bummer as it is, you know, starting Sam Darnold for 17 games, I mean, what are your other options, man? Like, I don't know. You pick a guy at six and that's your whole offseason? Doesn't make sense to me. Well, I think the logical thing to do for the Panthers coming into this draft is like, admitting that Matt rules probably not going to be your coach next season and you're going to go through a regime change. So maybe you don't take the quarterback and you just take whoever and say, we're going to be terrible. Um, you know, unless Ben McAdoo believing that Sam Darnold has some magic in him actually happens, which seems very unlikely. You just have to assume you're going to be bad. I think some of this is on David Tepper though, too, because like since he bought the Panthers, he's been, an aggressive owner who like wanted to come right in and take the NFL over and and win and put together a championship roster and every move they've made has led to them at this point, which is worse, which is a worse situation than they were in when, when all of this started. So absolutely. Have you seen the uh, training facility thing with uh, uh, Carolina? Oh man. Basically. So like the Panthers, the Panthers, South Carolina, and North Carolina worked together to basically get Tepper a new training facility on the border of South Carolina and North Carolina, right? Like, they redirected, I believe, an interstate to get to the facility. Like, it's just like a plot of land in the middle of nowhere, right? They built half of the facility, and now the Panthers are like, hey, states, you got to come up with the other half. 
and the states are like, we just went through like COVID and stuff. Like we're redirecting funds in uh, ways that are, don't involve a Panthers facility. I'm sorry about that. They just left it. Like it looks like one of those like a uh, World Cup stadiums in like Brazil that was like done in like the jungle. That like there there was no reason for that stadium other than uh, the World Cup, and now it's been like overrun by by like nature. That's yeah. what it looks like right now. It's bad, and Tepper is trying to get uh, the city of Charlotte to pay for a new stadium, even though they have like an underrated stadium. Like it's downtown Charlotte. You can see the skyline in the background. You can get to it from from the city pretty easily. No one hates that stadium in Charlotte, and he's just like, no, I'm just. I want you to pay for my brand new shiny toy. So he's taking L after L after L. See, I think that's that's been Tepper since he took over the team. It's just, I know I'm a billionaire, but will you guys pay for for this stuff for me? And then <laughs> let's be really aggressive. In- he's literally the richest NFL owner, like yeah. by far. Like NFL owners are rich. Like this dude is rich, 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 rich. Like yeah. different kind of rich. Are you talking about an iron like Mark Davis, who's rich, but like not as rich as other NFL well, like owners? Mark, da- Mark Davis's house in Vegas is made out of like scrap metal from uh, Allegiant Stadium. Like, yeah. That, yeah, it's a little different. It's yeah. a little different. Yeah. So the Carolina Panthers are in bad shape. And yeah, I, I think if they're smart, they approach this NFL draft just saying we know we're bad. And we just got to grab whoever the best available player is and and commit to, we're just not going to be a winning football team next season. But like we were just discussing, I I just don't know that David Tepper really thinks that way. And I feel like that is part of the problem there in Carolina. And it could set them up to where they take Kenny Pickett or something, number six overall, and it totally blows up in their face for whoever has to come in next season after they fire Matt rule. Feels so bad for uh, Jim Harbaugh, who has, is going to have to clean up this mess. But <laughs> I thought he was—he's committed to Michigan now. He stayed in Michigan. He's <laughs> oh yeah, he had eight-hour interview with the uh, Minnesota Vikings, but he—he loves Michigan again. I still want to know what he did to mess that up at the end, but. Uh, Thank you guys for listening to this edition of NFL Reacts. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing on Apple and Spotify. Make sure you're locked in right here to the SB Nation NFL show. We've got so much draft content for you guys next week. We've got different stuff every single day leading all the way up to the NFL draft. And then we'll have plenty of live content for you guys during the draft. We're loading up. We're making sure we've got every corner of it covered for you. Make sure you follow Justice on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. And we will talk to you guys next week after the first round of the NFL Draft. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero setup developer first environment combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features. Right now, businesses are facing tough choices. Do you cut costs or drive growth? Solve for today or build for tomorrow? Do you satisfy your shareholders or satisfy your customers? The answer is yes. 
You don't have to choose. With the intelligent platform for digital business from ServiceNow, you can say yes to unifying your existing systems and yes to accelerating growth. Visit servicenow.com to see how we can help you put yes to work. The world works with ServiceNow.